Well, it's good uh, to be back at St. Joseph's. My, uh, my name is Father Josh Waltz. If you don't recognize me or know me, I'm the vocation director for the Diocese of Bismarck. And uh, so Father Shane asked me to cover for him while he was gone. And as vocation director, I want to, I want to preach on vocations. And most people would think I'm going to preach on the priesthood or religious life, but not today. Today I'm going to preach on marriage. There's a crisis right now in this world. And the crisis, I think everybody would say, it's in the priesthood, and it's not. The crisis is marriage. There's an overwhelming percentage of marriages that fail. And St. John Paul II, he was fond of saying that the future of the church and the world passes through the family. He's also fond of saying the family is the first school of love, and at the heart of the family is marriage. If we don't get marriage right, we will never get the family right. If we don't get the family right, we don't get society right. Another way to say this is if we want to change the world, we need to do it one marriage at a time. Because society is just a great big conglomeration of families, of marriages. And I think it's safe to say that we as a church have failed in our preparation of couples to be married. You know, when I decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to give the priesthood a shot. I'm going to seminary. I already had a degree, a college degree. Now, it was kind of a dumb degree, but I had one, okay, for the record. I had a degree. <clears throat> I had to go to school for five more years. I then received another bachelor's degree plus a master's degree. I had to move across the ocean, learn another language, I went on numerous retreats, five days, eight days. I even did a 30-day silent retreat. I worked in hospitals, homeless shelters, orphanages. For three summers, I worked in parishes to make sure I knew what I was getting myself into. Not to mention that I had my life ripped apart by psychologists, spiritual directors, confessors, and formators for five years. You know what we do for marriage prep? You meet with a priest six times, maybe, for an hour, and then you do a weekend retreat. You have got to be kidding me. Because, you guys, if we weigh it in the balance, which is harder, priesthood or marriage? Hands down, marriage is harder. Hands down. Because in, in priesthood, I mean, in essence, I am married to God. So if something's wrong in the relationship, it's my fault. No, I can't, I can't be like, okay, Lord, like, what the heck? <clears throat> That's a perk of being God. You're perfect, so you don't make any mistakes. I make the mistakes, but in marriage, if something's wrong, you've got to figure out who's at fault. And then the person that is at fault has to say, I'm at fault. And they have to submit and say, I was wrong. And that's a hard thing for human beings to do. We do all this work for the priesthood. Why don't we do more for marriage? And I would say that we need a plan. A plan for the fa family, a plan for marriage. In the book of Proverbs it says, Without a vision, my people perish. Without a plan, people perish. I've said before, for years, the Vikings have had no plan. <laughs> and they have perished. And we learned this year that the Green Bay Packers' only plan is Aaron Rodgers. And they perished. <laughs>
We need a plan. What is the vision of God for marriage? I recently went to a, a wedding. It was on December 21st, which is the darkest day of the year. All the bridesmaids wore black. All the groomsmen wore black tuxes with black shirts and black bow ties. And on top of all this, the second reading in the wedding was from the rite of funerals. I sat back and I was like, what are you, what are you trying to say here? You know, like, this is kind of morbid. And it was beautiful because, like, on a drop of a dime, the bride said to me, she said, well, Father, we're just trying to convey God's plan for marriage. <laughs> the priest, I'm like, and what is that exactly? And she said, to really love, you have to die. To really love, you need to learn how to die. And this is God's plan. It's right there. It's the plan for marriage. It's the plan for priesthood. It's the plan for holiness. It's the plan. Death to self is what makes marriage holy. Love is learning how to die. In marriage prep, <clears throat> I like to tell couples, I say, you know, as a priest, I often wonder how I'm going to die. There's a lot of ways I could die. And for the record, I do want to die a martyr. I think that would be awesome, as long as it's on my terms. <laughs> like, I, I don't want a three-year torture chamber martyrdom. I just want, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, boom, you know. <laughs> that would be awesome. But I don't know how I'm going to die. But I say to the marriage couple, I say, but I know how you're going to die. And they look at me kind of funny. And I say, well, you're going to kill each other. <laughs> I said in a very, and it's kind of jokey, but I say in a very beautiful wife, or a very beautiful way, the wife says to the husband, I'm here to kill you. And the husband says to the wife, great, because I'm here to kill you too. And what I mean by that is, the husband and the wife are meant to kill the other's ego. In, if you look, in the rite of marriage, it says over and over and over again, the two shall become one. Now, I'm not a mathematician, I'm a theologian. But if I had to do some mathematics, in order for two to become one, something has to go away. And that's your ego. That's your self-want. Your desire to please you. I just had a buddy. This will give you a little, give you an idea of my past. I had a buddy uh, from high school. He just got out of prison <laughs> last year. And uh, <clears throat> I said to him, joking, that I said, you know the difference between me and you? He's like, what's that? And I'm like, you got caught. <laughs> no, not really, not really. <clears throat> but... But I, I said to him, what's the biggest change you've seen since you've gotten out of prison? He's like, oh, on a, he's like, hands down, how ungrateful people are. He said, they're always trying to like fulfill their wants, wishes, and needs. It's all about them. He's like, I've been in prison for 15 years. And the other day, I ate a Whopper. It was like a piece of heaven. I was so grateful for this $3 hamburger. And he's like, and I got a phone. It's a flip phone, but I can call people. When I use the bathroom, I don't have an inmate sitting on the bed looking at me. He said, life is so beautiful. 
But so many people have so much ingratitude. And it's because of self-focus. It's what kills the priesthood. It's what kills marriage. It's what kills joy. Is when life is about you. Christ came to give us, he said, life and life to the full. And how do you do that? He shows us. Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the other. I love in the second reading for today, there's this line. It says, wives, be subordinate to your husbands. I love that line for a lot of reasons. Mainly because when I sit here, I get to see all of you. And when you hear this read at weddings, I get to see all of you. And it's hilarious. Because people only hear that. Wives be supported to their husbands. And the husbands are like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, hitting their wives. Like, I'm finally, finally getting something out of church. <laughs> and the wives are just rolling their eyes. You know, they're, and nobody listens to the rest of the reading. And Paul is trying to convey to us something so beautiful about marriage. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. The, the word submission comes from two Latin words, sub and missio. Sub comes from like submarine, under water. So sub, sub means under. And missio is mission. So what Paul is really saying is, wives, put yourselves under the mission of your husband. That's not so bad. I'll say it a little more poetic way. Wives, as people who are absolutely equal in dignity to your husbands, Make the choice to freely entrust yourselves to his loving care. But this presupposes that there's, lo that there's loving care. That's why Paul says, husband, love your wives. Now here's the problem. We have a lot of words for love, right? I love the Vikings. I love beer. I love hot dogs. I love whatever. There, it's all the same word, but in Greek, there's four different words. There's love between married couples. There's familial love, there's friendship love, and there's unconditional love of God. And when Paul says, husbands, love your wives, he uses the word unconditional. So ladies, I mean, and, and men, because men, you thought you had this great line from Scripture, and ladies, you hated it. Let me re-explain it now to you. What it's saying is, wives, put yourself under the mission of the husband. And the husband... Love your wives as Christ loved the church unconditionally. How did he love her? He died for her. So what's it saying? Wives, let your husbands die for you. Not so good anymore, is it, fellas? <clears throat> it's hard. But Paul knew it. Death, death is where love comes. And when it says that the man should lay down his life, love his wife unconditionally, that does not mean he is just a pushover. I am so sick of hearing these stupid things. Now, you, you hear it sometimes from guys. They say to their, their sons, yeah, you just, if you can just figure out, son, that if she gets her way, everything's going to be better in life. No. That guy's a loser. He is. Because he has given up. He has given up. He has said, you know what? That's just the way she is. There's nothing I can do. I'm just going to let her get her way. She'll leave me alone and I can do my own thing. That's not love. Love desires that the other becomes the greatest version of themselves. Love is the desire to, to
to push oneself, to die to oneself, so that another may live. But it has to be reciprocal. The man just can't lay down let the wife walk all over him. The wife can't just lay down and let the man walk all over her. I'll give you two examples of this. One is a story. One is a real-life situation. One is what I don't mean. The second one is what I do mean. I once heard this story. It's kind of funny. It was uh, St. Peter standing outside the gates of heaven. There's all these men standing around, and Peter's mad. He's like, you're all a bunch of wimps. You're not leading your families spiritually. You're letting your wives walk all over you. Too many wimps. He's like, you know what? Just all the wimps get over here, and the real men stand here. And there's this huge line on this side. And there's one guy standing here. And Peter goes up to him. He said, I'm proud of you. I want you to tell all these wimps over here why you're standing in this line of real men. And he said, my wife told me to stand here. <laughs> that is not what I mean. What I mean is what a friend of mine, he's a dear friend of mine, one of the best husbands I know, one of the best fathers I know, but he is not a pushover by any means. And one time we, we worked together at St. Mary's High School, and one time we got done with this big event, super successful event, and I was like, let's go out and have a beer and celebrate. And we're all like, yeah, you know, it's like four or five of us. And this guy, he said, well, just hold on, I got, I got to go call my wife. And we're all like, oh, you loser, you know, like totally whip. And this guy, he's a really good guy. He's extremely strong, athletic, just a good guy, and he, but he has a switch. And when that switch flips, it's a scary, scary thing. I've only seen it twice in my life, and both times I feared for my life. And this was one of them. He flipped, and he turned around, and he came up to me, grabbed me by the shirt, my clerics, pulls me in about that far from his face, and he says this, No. It's because I love her more than you idiots. And he threw me off. <laughs> now let me tell you something. When a man answers like that, all of us are like, Yeah, 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 call her, man. No big deal. <laughs> we'll just stop wait here. Take as long as you need. That, that's a man. That's a man who legitimately cares more about his wife and family than he does about what his friends want to do. That's a man that's dying to himself, that is sacrificing for the good of his bride. And you guys, we know it when we see it. We know real love, but we just don't want to pay the asking price, which is death. It's so hard for us. And that's why God created a sacrament the sacrament of marriage so that he can help us. He can help us. You guys, maybe the greatest gift you could give to your spouse during this Christmas season is to lay down your arms on a fight. You know, honey, we've fought about this forever, and I just, I'm done. I just want you, you got this one. And then the wife to say, you know what? And I'm always razzing you about this, and I'm done. Let's work on just one thing. That could be the greatest present you could give to your spouse. You guys, we live in quite possibly the most selfish time of human history. We are building our lives, our marriages, our families on sand. And that's why they don't last. 
I recently read a story about, you remember Hurricane Ivan? That was a while ago. It hit, I think it hit Florida. And it changed. There was something that happened that changed the building code of buildings in Florida. There was a small subdivision full of multi-million dollar homes. And these homes were massive. But when the hurricane hit, they were completely decimated. And a block away, there were homes that were built by Habitat for Humanity. Smaller, more meager homes, untouched. Both took the brunt force of the hurricane winds. One was decimated, the other one seemingly untouched. The contractors went up and they sent to Habitat for Humanity. They're like, what did you do that was so different? And I'm not kidding you, you can look this up, this is true. They said, well, we used nails when we built our homes. And you, you use staples. You guys, the home of marriages, of families. The analogy is so beautiful. It must be built with the nails of Christ's passion, which is death to self. It cannot be built on the fickle and ever-changing staples of human love, or it will never survive the storms of this world. On this feast of the Holy Family, let us beg them to save us from our self-serving egos, to protect our marriages and our families, and to teach us to truly love one another by dying to ourselves. It's the Christmas gift. It's the gift of this day. It's the gift of our faith. May we live it and so be lights to this world that is shrouded right now in darkness.